Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Welcome to The Living Room. My name is Heather, and I'm your host for today's show. Joining me is... Michelle. Janet. Jody, And we are so glad that you're here with us today. Today, we are talking about a tricky parent-child subject, but one that is really, really important. Today, we're going to talk about how to talk to your children about the birds and the bees. Now, if you happen to listen to our Intimacy in Marriage show, this topic was mentioned right at the end of the show. And it was kind of like one of those moments where we all kind of laughed and joked and went, oh, wait, we should probably have a show on this. We should probably talk about that, right? That this topic needs to be covered. And what's so funny about this topic is that even parents who always know what to say, usually have the right words, are really comfortable talking about things with their kids, this topic still gets tricky. They're still at a loss for words, right, with with how to tackle this one. So we're just going to jump into it, uh, talk about it a little bit, see what tips we can throw out there to make this a little bit easier. But also, I think more important, recognize the importance of having the conversation. And maybe if we can understand how important the conversations are, it will make it easier in and of itself. So as we get started, uh, there's a great statistic that says that nearly 50% of kids wish they could actually talk to their parents about sex. That's interesting. It's a huge number, right? That there's so many kids going, man, I really want to go to my mom and dad. I don't want to go to social media. I don't want to go to my friends or, you know, the teenager down the street. I I want to go talk to you, but I don't feel comfortable talking to you. Mm-hmm. And so it really shows us right off the bat how important this is. Uh, and I remember with our son, our conversation with him came much sooner than we had anticipated. I think yeah. we, we run into that now more and more with, with all that they get to see and do. And I remember he had a school assignment. He was probably maybe just second grade. So that would have made him six-ish, seven, seven-ish probably. And uh, he had this school assignment and they were doing something with Greek gods And he had to look something up on the computer. And in looking something up on the computer, up came pictures and statues of Greek gods. But some of the women, they didn't have tops on. And so all of a sudden, he was looking at the computer and there were these statues of women with no, with, you know, nothing on top. And he didn't know what to do. And then he started asking, well, what's going on? And so all of a sudden, right on the spot, it was like, well, I guess we have some conversation. I guess today's the day. I guess this is a really good time. And so we probably all all have these situations where they present themselves. We might not be expecting them. Uh, And I'd love to kind of start there. When you think about the birds and the bees having to learn this themselves, when did your parents talk to you? What did that feel like? What I'm still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) They never had that conversation. Can I just tell you a funny, quick little story? So I probably was in the sixth grade. And um, I remember finding it was a piece of paper on how to enhance your marriage. And my parents must have gone to a class. It could have even been a class at church. But it had some suggestions on what to do. Well, I read some of them. And for a 12-year-old mind, it was a little bit out there. So I remember drafting a long note to my mother to tell her, how disappointed I was to find this piece of paper. That's and funny. we laugh because it was, it was fear and disappointment and like, Oh my gosh, I found this piece of paper. And, and uh, my mother, I remember her consoling me going, okay, Jody, it's so, it, you know, okay, parents, you know, this, this is, 
this is a good thing, you know, and it wasn't really explicit or anything, but I think it was talking about, you know, affection and, and so forth. But my little brain and, you know, skipped forward and it was, I slipped it under her door. I couldn't even face her to give it to her, slipped it under her door. She opens her door and she says, do you want to talk? Nope. I run into my room and I shut my door, knock on the door. Jody, can we just have a little conversation? Now, mind you, this is the woman who bought me the pink box that came in the mail with all the things for your period. Oh, and so I would pull it out and look at it, but I wasn't really connecting the dots. But the way that my mother, the pink box, the pink box. Well, I don't, do you guys know about we the never pink had the pink box. I never had the pink box. I'm a little no older boxes. than you well, Jen, was it like mail same. order? Mail order. Oh, yeah. And it came with the little birds and bees story. And then you had the, you know, the, the feminine hygiene products. I've and never so heard of them. Yeah. Me either. I don't That's even know if they hilarious. make them anymore. It I'm could looking be a right now. Keep I think I would have been horrified. <laughs> Can you Amazon that? Or yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Do we hear that? Okay, we're looking it up. Anyway, go ahead. But my mom, I have to give her credit. I love you, Mom. You tried so hard. But my, my, it was me being so resistant that she respected that fact. But she wishes she could have kept that note because she said, I just remember part of me laughing, part of me going, oh, my poor sweet girl. How are we going to get her over this hump? Because it was just so terrifying to me. And I don't know why. Some kids probably are like that. But I do remember her knocking and me, you know, sending another note out. Don't want to talk. I mean, it went back and forth for a good 10, 15 minutes. And we eventually talked weeks and maybe even months later, but we never, you know, she just said, I don't know. I don't know why you were so averse to talking, but again, maybe I found that and it put me into it. (laughs) But I have recovered, but yeah, but she laughs about, you know, the notes. Yeah. That you sent. Okay. Jen, what about you? Oh man. Remember? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had some older cousins that um, I sometimes had sleepovers with. And I remember my mom, I remember saying something to my mom and her saying, so you knew how all that works, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. She didn't want to talk about it at all, and I was fine with that. But um, the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but then, but then I remember um, when I was uh, close to getting married. I remember um, saying something to her once, and she said, "This was what she said exactly." She said, "Well, it took us a little while to figure it out, but once we did, it was pure ecstasy." And I remember really being reassured and encouraged by the fact that my mother enjoyed this because I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it or not. And hearing that really was helpful to me. Reassurance. Yeah. 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 The other thing that was really helpful to me was right again, right before I got married, um, a family friend gave me my gynecological exam as a wedding present. And I was like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, but gosh. the way he talked about it was so helpful to me. 
And he talked about so many good things and helped me kind of get over that good girl syndrome that I know a lot of people struggle with and helped me know that this was a good thing, that it was important. And then he said things like, and it can happen more than once a day, which was really novel for me because I kept thinking, okay, well, probably like anniversary and Christmas, maybe, <laughs> you know, I'm really, this is freaking out in my little girl mind. So this was really helpful for him to give me, you know, it's going to happen a lot. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Oh. That's another wheel starter. Oh, I love that. What, yeah. a, what a good guy and a parent. I mean, he, you know, he was great. And yeah. honestly, Je- Jeff came with me. That is, uh, and the two of us talked to him. Better better. I know, right? And Jeff comes with and you. And he talked to the both of us about how yeah. this should play out in marriage. And it was honestly one of the best conversations we've ever had. And he and I both refer to that wow. as something really positive in our marriage. So hilarious and mortifying yeah. as it was at the outset. Absolutely. It was awesome. So valuable. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't yeah. that be wonderful, though, if couples getting married, that that did happen? Because I that think is, that should happen that for could everyone. could be so necessary yeah. and so helpful. And so, and, and, and what a reward to have both of you understanding sure. and learning together. Gosh, maybe I should require that of my kids. Before you get married, we're all going to go find sit down. Yeah, 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 let's go find your guy, Jenna. Well, <laughs> interestingly enough, He's awesome. statistics show that really is the number one reason why people get divorced. Mm. And they don't tell their lawyers that, and they don't have the judge that, and they don't write it down in document. But when we get down to the root cause, they they that's their struggles with that, and as a result, they get divorced. And so it's pretty yeah, sad yeah. to think the yeah. impact. Yeah. Like it's not just let's talk to our kids and set them up now because we need to get that over with, or because the pink box is coming, whatever it might be. But we have to understand that having these conversations with them, just like honesty or driving and not texting, or like these are lifelong. This is so oh, valuable. It's, it is. It's crucial, crucial to their yes. future. To the success and of so your marriage, really to your future family, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Michelle, you're up. Oh, gosh. Okay, I've decided to when be did you get the top? honest about this. Yay. Well, we hope you're not going to lie to us. Mm-mm. No, but I thought about different ways to sugarcoat it. That I was an option gonna... once? No, yep. go raw. We're ready. Yep. Okay, so... Um, I had two opposites in my family. I had a father who talked about it too much and perhaps a mother who didn't talk about it enough, but I don't blame her for that. And mother, I know you're listening to this show, but please know I do not hold this against you. (laughs) And I love you so much. Um, But I think that it was, it was really hard for me because my dad talked about it a lot and somewhat inappropriately. And um, it wasn't like he was crass or mean, but I think that age appropriate. There were lots of things that I don't feel like were age appropriate for me. And maybe that's just me being naive, but I, I think I've heard more than most people have, but it makes me somewhat uncomfortable. But my mom did sit down and have a chat with me. I think in junior high school and seventh grade, there was a formal sign this paper. These are the things that you need to talk to your kids about. And, and I, it wasn't that I didn't feel like I didn't have a place to ask questions. I did. And I had books handed to me and all kinds of stuff given to me. There was, there was not a lack of information in my home. Um, but I'll admit that there were, there were in in my head trying to figure out to make sense of all of that. But, uh, there you go. Oh, there we go. I don't know what else to say. There's, that's all there is. Well, you know, I think it's really important that we create a comfortable environment that we say 
enough in a comfortable way. Like it sounds like in some ways you were made uncomfortable right. by it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's got to be an environment where kids feel comfortable talking to you about it so that when you have the talk, you've already had a series of smaller Absolutely. talks right. leading up to that so that they're comfortable having that discussion. I remember, and I'll actually never forget because I was nervous about it. But I remember after I had this talk with our daughter, she said, oh, mom, how do you make everything sound so beautiful? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is and I so thought, great. That's a oh, great I did something right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? Yes. And I think that is that's so what we cool. want to paint. I want someone, yeah. that is, that's a, a beautiful compliment. That's really yeah. cool. It made me really happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the point you make, too, is so powerful in that if we call it in our house being askable. So I always tell our kids, I'm totally askable. I'm askable all the time. Just you can ask me any question anytime. It's no big, nothing's off limits. Your dad and I are always askable, but I think like you're saying, it's really powerful. And if we, if we do create an environment where we are askable, Mm -hmm. then we actually never have to have like this big sit down. You need a diagram or not like birds and the bees talk because, because you've been askable all along the way. And so you can have those small conversations instead of, gearing up for the big talk, you know, we, we kind of yeah. don't have to have that pressure when we're askable. When it's part yeah, of right. your, uh, part of your routine and your family and your just goings on, not that it's Monday through Friday every, every day, but there are things that come up at different ages. I know there are women I know who have a sit down, very specific talk when the kids are eight. Um, that's, that's really young in, in my particular family, you know, but I go, okay, that's okay for them. It might be 10, it might be 12, but I like the idea. And I've kind of, I guess I've kind of done that unknowingly, you know, pick and choose kind of as you go along, what's age appropriate and what works for your kids. But there are some kids with older brothers and sisters who learn faster earlier. And that always seems to happen. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, my, I, I can say this women's children are very respectable, very, they have a good sense of what intimacy is and so forth. And as I've watched them grow up and become adults um, and young adults, you know, it, it really works. But I think age and having that conversation mm-hmm. in and out of the goings and comings is that's really important. I like that. Yeah. To be open to it, because think about it. If we I mean, even if we get a question at, from a three or four year old and the answer is I'm not talking to you about that. It's we've got exactly seven years, 25. Mm-hmm. We're not dealing right. right. The message that it sends them is really a negative. Why is this awful? Why won't she answer my question? Why can't we talk? Right. Right. They don't understand what it is that's going on. And so. No, they're completely innocent questions. So you give them a completely innocent answer that's age appropriate and then they're comfortable with the next time. Right. Right. And and you build up to that. It's like the story of the mom. This is probably folklore, but about the story of the mom whose five-year-old comes in and says, mom, where am I from? And so she sits down and tells the kid everything. And he looks at her and he's like, no, what city did we live in before we moved into this house? Like, and no, I just meant where yeah. are we from? Yeah, yeah. Where, where yeah, yeah. are we from? Like, and 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 I, whether or not that's the right answer or the wrong answer, I do think that um, I folk, I I do stress like um, we probably should start having the conversation with our kids. But one thing that I feel like we have conversations about our bodies and what our bodies do and mm-hmm. how we respect our bodies mm-hmm. and. And, um, what things are private and what things are, aren't private and, and how to be private in with babysitters when we're not here. And so I think that there, but 
but also, but also saying, but not making sure that they're not shamed, shameful of anything or that they, and that they understand that their bodies are amazing and their bodies can do amazing things. And so I think, you know, we're kind of in that phase in the, and also panicky conversation. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit panicky, a little panicky. But I think, you know, I love when your illustration about where am I from, I think clarifying their questions is really important. Knowing what they really are asking before you give an answer is right. really important right. too. And this yeah. is, a, that's a huge tip that we should actually touch on is we really, we don't, we need to just answer their question. Yeah. We, we don't need to give them, you know, the whole spiel, the whole, all the time. Just focus on what it is that they're actually asking. That doesn't mean that we have to go into a million other things. Right. <laughs> and that makes it, I think a lot less stressful for us too, as parents. And plus it yeah. builds up those little conversations along the way, exactly. but, but answer what they're asking, right? Mm-hmm. Opposed to, well, here's where we're from. Yeah. <laughs> and it's eternity long and eternity forward. And eternity, <laughs> right. Let's see if we can make it make sense. It really is just to answer the question that they're asking. And right. we can stop there and be okay with that. Now, if they keep asking other questions, then obviously answer those questions. But this need to take, you know, a very simple where am I from and turn it into this big gigantic right. thing. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Uh, what do you think the the detriments are? So say this isn't our forte. Say these conversations don't happen. Where have you seen this harmful? In families, to kids, mm. to couples, to women. I mean, so what? So we're not good at talking about this. Does it matter? I think that, um, and in 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 watching and hearing some things of my friends and even my own experiences, I think that it's not that we don't understand that it's important and that it's sacred and that it's valuable. I think we get that, but I think that instead of talking about it better or creating more safer environments. We just don't talk about it. So it's the not talking about it um, sometimes and in certain families not talking about it or um, distortions of reality. You know, I did have a friend, this is also folklore and parenthood, but I did have a friend whose mom told her it was the ugliest, most terrible thing Mm. to get her through her junior high. And then on the way to her getting married said, you know what, now that you're ready, I want to tell you that sex is wonderful and you and your husband will, will love it forever. But she spent her, she spent her whole life dreading it because her mom told her it was terrible and it was the worst thing that ever happened to women. And you should watch out for boys who want to do that to you. And then did the whole 360 and, and her, she just talks about how that totally affected her marriage and affected her self-esteem and it affected because she went into that that relationship and, and those moments in the first days of her marriage, just feeling completely uncomfortable. And then that causes, caused all lots of other problems in her family. So I think that, um, finding the balance of what we talk about, what we don't talk about, because, but I think we understand its importance, but I think that sometimes we don't understand the hows and the whys to act on that important. Yeah. Right? And I think it's also important that we always stay positive about it, mm-hmm. right? That we never paint it as ugly or disgusting or mm-hmm. terrible like that because it's not and right. I, it's just not. And I think it's really important to, um, to let our kids know it's enjoyable. I told Jordan flat out when she got married, I said, it is fun. And mm-hmm. she said that that was really helpful to her, especially after her friend's mother had told her it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think I think some of that stuff really makes a difference. I think the positive is huge. Well, and we think we're protecting them, right? Like, both of these stories, we think, you know, I, I'm the first to say, you know, with five girls at home, the last thing I want is them to run into trouble or start using, you know, getting right. involved in sex, all of that stuff until they're married, right? They know full well that that's not what I want them to do or what they should do. 
but we think as parents by scaring them or by telling them those things that we're safeguarding them mm-hmm. those years to mm-hmm. steer, steer clear of it when yeah. really the detriment is so long. It's so long lasting. It's so bad. There's, there's a lot of other ways besides instilling fear and, and hatred and disgust for it right? to help them still not make choices to be engaged in premarital sex. So, mm-hmm. well, and think about it. Things that you don't talk about are usually things that you're ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And so Surely by not talking about it, it instills this level of shame that may or may not exist, but it can create a, a smoke screen of shame. Right. Right. And so I think, I think just being open enough about it and positive enough about it right. can take the shame out of the picture. Well, there's a really crazy statistic too that's out there with our kids and parents that has shown us that proves that whatever parents don't talk about, kids automatically assume they don't care about. Oh, oh, that's fascinating. So if you yeah. hear that, so mm-hmm. let me see if I can say it again. Whatever parents don't talk about, kids automatically assume their parents don't care about. <laughs> so this can be anything. It can be sex, which is like, well, my parents never say anything about it, so they must not care right. what oh, I do. Wow. Right? Or, or drinking. Or, or drugs, drugs. Or even or... little things like, I don't know, voting. Politi- my parents never talk to me about current events or politics, so... Why should I worry about voting? Mm-hmm. It, it affects them in every single healthy eating. It doesn't matter good or bad. If we're not talking about it, they automatically assume we don't care about it. I think it's really, really important to talk about what isn't healthy intimacy in just ways where women are so objectified in mm-hmm. media pictures, good. whether it's a billboard, whether it's an online photo. And I just, I think it's so important to let my kids know that's not what a woman is supposed to look like. That's not mm-hmm. what makes a woman beautiful. That's not what makes a woman sexy. When, when we, our kids are going to see images regardless of how protective we are. And it may not even be pornographic. It literally could be at the grocery store on a magazine cover. It could be at a friend's house um, because that's the way the mom dresses. The reality is, is they're going to look at women's bodies and then say, Ooh, is this what makes a woman beautiful, um, attractive? And I think it's okay to help your kids um, define what that beauty is, what, an intimate relationship looks like in a healthy way, but with a non-objectified woman. We are not supposed to be dancing from a pole and hanging from the ceiling, at least in my own personal <laughs> um, definition. And and sometimes those things, you know, I, I think that was something that um, that affected me. You know, not that I, I didn't see a lot of negative images, but the little bit that I did, I remember going to Las Vegas once and kind of keeping that in my mind and just being there and going, gosh, this is, you know, you see so many women just walking around the different restaurants and things. And if I would have asked my mom at that time and said, mom, you know, this doesn't feel right. She could have answered me. I figured it out. They teach us what virtue is, what modesty is, what chastity is, but the reality is sometimes having the, the straight out conversation that says, you know, womanhood is not A, B, and C. Womanhood right. is one, two, and three. Well, I think even with airbrushing and all the things that they do to photos and that girls growing up think they're supposed to look a certain way, which is perfect, mm-hmm. besides, and hairless and everything else besides um, what you're talking about. And I think there's there's a lot of social demand yeah. right yeah for for that in the media and i think it's really tough yeah. to teach 
And, and because know, it's hard to talk about. To love your body and right. to be okay Well, with and that. what you're saying yes. is it's far more than just, like, the the anatomy. These conversations are much bigger than just here's the anatomy. They'll get that in school if we're, if we're getting picky about it, right? Right. Really, the way we affect them is by having the rest of the conversation. Because it's about all relationship. The, right, all the right. other parts of the conversation yeah, about yeah. themselves and sexuality and intimacy and what that looks like and mm-hmm. how it affects them is really kind of where you're both going, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. That's but how you feel thing, yeah. about your body is what you bring to your intimate relationship. Correct. And when you feel that your body is an object to be used for gratification and that's it. Right. Then you're, you bring into the marriage that, and, and that is developed over years. That isn't just developed in a 30 minute conversation that is developed no, no, no. over experiences and impressions and so forth. So that's where we as mothers, we come in as heroes to be able to say, this is what a woman represents and this is who a woman is and this is how this intimate relationship can be powerful and so it starts with those little conversations in the back seat of the minivan where my daughter is like i don't want a bra i don't want a bra i don't need a bra this is torture for children this is torture for children and i'm going oh if i won't say which daughter it is because she'll cry but it was so cute she was in fifth grade and we came from the maturation program and i said oh sweetheart you'll just you'll just feel more, you know, more, more modest, comfortable. more comfortable. Yeah. And, and as soon as that happened where we got it and she said, Oh, I kind of like this thing, you know, but it's just going over those bridges together, holding their hands, but, but really talking about it, uh, being the example, knowing that you're not perfect. You know, I, my girls know what I don't like particularly about my physical being, but then right afterwards I go, yeah, so I got a little cut of cheese on the back end. It's okay. You know, um, it's, do you know, do you know what it costs to get the cottage cheese removed? I'm not willing to do that, you know, but I do think it's important to just emulate that. And we're not going to be perfect at it, but having, being willing right. to show up and have the conversation, it, it, that is important. That's to, have, important. to have more of the conversation, right? To make sure the conversation is, is covering all its bases. Well, we've got people listening, I'm sure. And maybe even some of us, this isn't a comfortable topic, right? So what's, what's your suggestions, ladies, for, for parents who are thinking, okay, fine, so I know it's important and I should have this conversation, but ugh, what, right? And I know for me, it, it's not necessarily my first line of conversation, like, great, this is right up my, it's, it's not, it's not right up my alley. Uh, but I know for me, what helped me kind of get over this hump was not only thinking about our, our kids long term, but I remember my husband making a joke after we had our third girl in a row. So we have a son and then we have five girls. Oh, and we right. had we had our third girl and he made some joke to me like I've only got like one conversation to have. You just like you're gonna have this period conversation. You this is just never gonna end for you. You just have to keep having it. And I remember sitting there thinking, This is miserable. I don't wanna have any you have them all. I don't wanna have these conversations. And just as I thought that, uh, I I clearly could see our girls and I thought, man, but I would never want our girls to be in a situation where I hadn't prepared them for what was happening. And I hadn't mentally and physically put them in a, in a power position to, to have this be great instead of miserable. And so I know for me, that's to be straight up honest when I don't like something like that's what gives me the motivation and the compassion and the empathy to to have them when I don't want to have them to answer the questions that are hard that I don't like. So for you, what, what is it? What, what advice do you have for people listening who are thinking, yeah, that's great, but let's let the school do it or someone else handle it. 
Michelle, you want to leave oh, us off? Oh, don't point at me because I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'll just let Heather talk to all of my kids. <laughs> I care about your kids too. I know. Yeah, I know you do. I'd feel bad if they, you know, your daughter was a sixth grader and she was like, what the heck is happening to me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I'm happy to have the conversations and I'm with you in the sense that, um, my, my struggle is because it wasn't modeled for me. Mm-hmm. And, and the opposite was modeled for me in some ways. I don't know. I don't even know what I should be doing. And I'm reading all these books and like, this is how you, and, and, but I also know that one of the things that I have felt the most peace about is that part of this is not just having it one conversation with my kids about one thing. And of course you have it over time with different things, but this is how do I communicate with my kids in general? Because I make this be in this big thing in my head. Oh, we have to sit down and have a talk about this, but really we talk about lots of things and I need this to be, I want them to know they can talk to me about lots of things and I don't want to make this feel any different in the sense that you can talk to me about anything. I'm going to talk to you about lots of things. And while this is important and it needs to have its own set of values, I have to remind myself this is another conversation that I have with my kids and I have already established a line of communication that I will continue that. That's great. Anything you two before we wrap things up? You know, I don't remember my parents saying a lot growing up. Honestly, they grew up in the 50s when people were quiet about things. And I don't remember a lot. But I remember growing up watching my parents be affectionate with each other. And somehow just having this underlying sense that they had a healthy, romantic sex life. And I think there was this really sense of assurance and security that came from knowing that my parents loved each other. Mm-hmm. And I think I've tried to model that for our kids as well. I think I want our kids to know that we love each other. Absolutely. And I think if you remember that it's about the relationship more than anything else, then um, the other stuff doesn't seem so scary because relationships are important and it's easy to talk about relationships in most scenarios. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I'll just add one point when the when the kids are young enough where you can start the conversation first about hygiene and how the body changes and everything the book and I, it's been a popular one for years the care and keeping of you right. there's oh yeah version one written. and version two i have version one i will admit that we tore out the page that had the tampon in it because it was stirring up a little bit of controversy <laughs> oh. <laughs> so and i laugh at that because it, it, that is that's where my kids are or were right. and so i have the torn page that's tucked in the back now now with the 11 year old but that was a good starter book um that that started answering some of the questions but there's different phases and so my advice would be start with something where you know you just let it sit there for a while and continue the conversation like we've been saying just continue having it i hope to have these conversations with my girls i don't know that cody's going to be so excited about having continued conversations with his mom Mm -hmm. but i hope my girls do for the rest of their lives that's what i'm here for well and you can teach your son a lot about how to treat a woman Oh, absolutely. Right? That's so hope. much about how to yeah. treat a woman without ever even mentioning. Yeah. Right. And you the unmentionable. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is a great conversation. I'm glad we dove into it a little bit. Hopefully there were some tips that, that helped you. I know for me, some things that we kind of covered that, that always make an impact that we can remember when it comes to talking to our kids about the birds and the bees, that we never avoid a teachable moment, right? That we're always there to, to answer when things come up. That uh, we stick to the answers right in front of us, right? We don't need to answer all the other questions, just the one that, that's been asked. 
uh, start our conversations a lot earlier than we think, right? We think, you know, 12, 13, once I need to worry about it, but really that's way too late to dive into this topic and to dive into those things. And I know in our home, and maybe it will help in yours too, to be an askable parent, to make sure that you're there, that anything can be asked at any time. Uh, thank you for joining us. We hope you'll follow along on our website from the livingroom.com that you'll join us Join the conversation in our social media channels. We love to connect with you there. We love to hear your stories and we learn a lot from you. We hope until next time that you'll give yourself, your family, and your parenting some living room. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.